Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hallelujah. Great to see you guys here tonight. You could have been home watching TV. Yeah. But you chose to come here, get some word, fellowship, some worship. Amen. So I'm glad you're here. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the final chapter in the book of Hebrews. The final chapter. We are in our final night of this book. Hebrews chapter 13. It's been a great journey through this book. And I want to just remind you that our next book that we will be getting into, uh, either starting next week or or the week after, will be the book of Genesis. Yeah, 50 chapters. So, uh, We're going to be in Genesis a while. I like walking through these books at the Bible. Is this good? You like, you you guys enjoying this? Well, you keep coming back, so I figured you're getting something out of it. Or maybe it's just you come to see Heather, but I come to see her. All right. Hebrews chapter 13 And we're just going to dive right into it right now because we have a few things to cover in this 25-verse chapter. So let's begin. Are you ready? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Father, we want to say thank you for this moment. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your promises that they are alive and active and real for us. And it's through these exceeding great and precious promises that we become partakers of your divine nature. That is, we live the kind of life that you've called us to live through these promises. These promises are the optimum way to live. They are our potential at its best, Father. And we thank you that you you give these things freely to us. And now I'm praying for the, that you would give to your people tonight, at this moment, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of, of Christ, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. We thank you that you worked that power, you demonstrated that power when you raised up Jesus from the dead and sat him at your right hand in the heavenly places. And now here we are joining in with what is going on in heaven because we know that your word, Lord, is alive and well there. It is established there. And Lord, we thank you that we get to have this heavenly moment together, gathered around your word, gathered with your holy saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue, which means that's a choice, doesn't it? Isn't it? It's a choice to let brotherly love continue. It can start with you and keep going with you or it can stop with you. How many of you are married in here? All right. And after a while of being married, you figured out that you had to let it continue. (laughs) When the honeymoon was over and you started paying the bills together, and you started getting into life together, you had to let it continue. And love, you found out real quick, love isn't, it isn't this fantasy. It's not something that you fall in and out of. It's something that you choose to do. 
Amen. You choose to do it. It was all those feelings, those fantasy, what's the word I'm looking for? Huh? Fantastical feelings that you had about one another and the mystery of marriage and living with one another and being together 24 hours a day. It all sounded so good when you were 17 years old. I wish this moment would never end. And now you're like, ah, oh, you need to go somewhere. Or like she tells you, won't you go somewhere? This moment has ended. <laughs> yeah. Let brotherly love continue. You know, Paul taught, taught us in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 14, if we could bring that up on the screen for a moment. Galatians 5, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Now, the law had much to say. The law had much to require. But he says all of it is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And you remember when the man came to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. But Paul teaches us it's really one Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all summed up and fulfilled in this one law. Love your neighbor as yourself. And since it is a law of love, it transcends the law of Moses. And it's still viable and, and, and uh, relevant for us today. Let's look over it now, First John chapter 4. And there's a reason why Paul told us this. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. And that's why Paul said, if you love your brothers, if you love your neighbor as yourself, that's proof that you love God. All right? That's proof that you love God because he loves people. And when you love people, then that means you love what God loves. Isn't that marvelous? So let brotherly love continue. The word love here is not the word agape. It's the word Philadelphia. That's why Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia, phileo, it's a brotherly, kind, compassionate, uh, cherishing one another kind of love. A love that Christians share with one another in particular. It's a love that's found amongst believers. Let brotherly love continue or sisterly love continue. Do not forget, look at verse two, do not forget to entertain or to be hospitable to strangers. Do not forget to entertain strangers. So he's teaching us how to treat one another, but then he also talks about those that we don't know and that we treat them with a level of respect and hospitality. Do not forget to entertain For by so doing, some have unwittingly or unknowingly entertained angels. You know, I believe the angels are all amongst us. They're all amongst us, and they look a lot like us at times. 
They disguise themselves to look like us. They have to tuck their wings in real tight. <laughs> Put their harp down in their pocket. <laughs> scripture records, according to Dake's study Bible, Scripture records 104 appearances of angels to humans. 104 appearances. I'm going to just give you a few places in the Scripture where angels appeared to men. Abraham, three different visitations from angels. Lot and the, and the people of Sodom. You remember that? Uh, Jacob, three different times. Moses. Balaam, the false prophet. Joshua. Remember when the angel of the Lord came to him? I love this. I love what, the, I love what, what happened. He's standing there and Joshua sees him and he approaches him and he asks the angel of the Lord, are you for us or against us? And the angel of the Lord said, no. <laughs> I'm here to take charge. <laughs> I'm here to show you how to win this thing. That's... That Joshua, Israel, Gideon was visited by an angel. Remember Manoah? Manoah was Samson's father. Manoah's wife first saw the angel of the Lord, and then they prayed that the angel would come back because when she came and told her husband, he wasn't real sure that she had lost her mind or what happened. So this angel showed back up and talked to both of them. Uh, and that's where Manoah asked, what is your name? He said, why do you ask my name, seeing that it's too wonderful? David had an angelic visitation. Elijah, Elisha, the Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, or as a, the former pastor of this church, not my dad, but Brother Dog used to say, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel, five different angelic visitations. Daniel was visited by Michael the archangel. Wow. And lived to tell about it. Michael told him, you prayed 21 days ago and it took me that long to get to you because there was a war in the heavenlies to get to you. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. The shepherds. Jesus had angels visit him. Angels came right after he was tempted of the devil, and the angels came to comfort and strengthen him in the garden of Gethsemane. Philip, Cornelius, we love Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius wasn't even saved, and he had an angelic visitation. Peter, of course, Paul, John. I mean, there's so many appearances. So don't be surprised. That's why we just be kind to people. Be hospitable to people because we very well could be entertaining angels. My dad tells a story years ago when he was in a cafe with my mother in Marietta, Oklahoma, and an old man walked in to that cafe. And he said the old man, he said he looked old anyway. He walked like he was old. He just kind of shifted his feet, walked about this fast. And he went walking in and, and he got dad's attention but watching him, you know, how slow he walked for one thing. But then as they were uh, finishing their dinner, he felt the Lord tell him, go give that man some money. 
And so he had that little argument with God, you know, right there, and, and, and hesitated so long that in that amount of time, this man had ordered something at the counter, turned around, and left the restaurant. And when, when that door shut, the Holy Spirit said, go now! So dad got up and told mom, wait right here, I've got to go do something. So he opened up his wallet and took a $5 bill out and walked outside, and there the guy was, I mean, because, you know, he didn't go very far because he walked like this. And he said, excuse me, sir. And he said, when the man looked up at him, he had a really young face and crystal blue eyes. And dad said, I, am, I just wanted to tell you that the Lord loves you and he wanted me to give this to you. And he said, the man just looked at him and said, thank you. And then dad turned around and went back in the restaurant. My mother had already paid out. So they walk out together and the man has vanished. He's walked all around looking, looking for this man. He couldn't have gone 10 more feet and looked all over, ran around the building. There, was no, there were no cars there in the front. The parking was in the back. Goes, looks everywhere and he can't find this man. And this scripture is what came to his mind. Some have unwittingly entertained angels. Be kind. Be hospitable. Let brotherly love continue. Remember the prisoners, verse 3, as if chained with them those who are mistreated. Now, in this context, now we understand that prison ministry is extremely important, don't we? And we support that. And I've gone to prisons and preached and ministered to many who were behind bars. My grandfather was a jail preacher himself. But this in particular is talking about those who have been mistreated because they preached the gospel and have been imprisoned for it. All right? Those that were, were Christians and who were being persecuted for their faith and bound in chains and in jail. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Don't forget, we're all in this thing together. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. That's a good verse of scripture right there. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. Married people, just be free in that. Understand, I don't know why. I don't know why preachers get in the business of telling people what they can do and can't do in bed. Talking to married couples. That guy has no business doing that. First of all, who cares? Who, who has the energy or the curiosity, for that matter? <laughs> my, my thing is, please don't tell me any of it. Go see Carl Van Wy. <laughs> Our maintenance man. <laughs> He's quite curious. <laughs> okay, I have to stop. All right, anyway. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. In other words, what this is saying is marriage is God's institution. Think about this. God made this up. He made this up. I love this. He made this up where a man and woman would, a man would leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two would become one flesh. How pure and how awesome is it? Sex was invented by God himself. Let us not forget 
But the perversion of it is doing anything outside of his institution. And then expecting him to be okay with that. And he's not okay with that. Anything outside of marriage, it's just wrong. It's against his terms. He created it. Why did God do this? He did to, to torture us? <laughs> no, he did this to us. He did this for us. So that we could learn how to love one another for a long time. And enjoy one another for a long time. And when the bride and the groom are together, let's not forget, this is a mystery, Paul says, but it is a picture of Christ and his church. When we see a man and woman in marriage, we see what we look like in the spirit. And anything outside of that is counterfeit to what God and besides that, there's a lot of heartache with the other things. There's a lot of guilt and shame with the other things. I had a young man at a wedding tell me that he didn't know if he could go through with it. And, I mean, his bride, we're, we're five minutes from walking out to start the ceremony. And this guy gets crazy cold feet. And this is when I was pastoring one of our locations in Garland. And I didn't know what to tell him. I mean, I, I, for, I just, I didn't. And all of a sudden, this thought came to me. And maybe, I don't know. I don't know if it was the best thing to tell him, but it worked. And as he's at, he's at, he's at I don't know if I can do this. I, I mean, he's sweating. And I just said, well, maybe I can give you a bit of advice. I'll give you two words. And maybe you'll change your mind. And he said, well, what is it? I said, guiltless sex. <laughs> and he goes, that works. <laughs> Went out there and got married. <laughs> Nothing like doing it God's way. All right, let's move forward. Let your conduct be without covetousness or the desire for other people's things. That's what covetousness is. The desire for other people's things. Not the desire necessarily for things, but the desire for other people's things. None of us have ever been tempted in that, I understand. But there are some people out there who struggle with that. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake. I think it's interesting that that's the solution to it. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you. In other words, I am your everything. And whatever you have need of, he'll provide. According to his riches and glory. There's no need to look at someone else and wish you had what they had when God has something specifically for you. That he can be your provider. That no man could ever do for you. I will not fear what can man do to me. The Lord is my helper. That's what it says. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. So you'll never find contentment over, uh, in things. Otherwise, it'll never be enough. You know, they have TV shows showing people where it's never enough. You ever seen Hoarders? Right? That's covetousness. That's, that's, that's discontentment gone to the extreme. 
True contentment is the belief and the awareness that God's presence is the essence of your fulfillment, your joy, and your real peace. Paul said, I've learned, I've done everything. I've had every experience. I've had more than enough. I've had not enough. I've been hungry. I've been full. I've been thirsty. I've been quenched. I, all those, he said, and I've learned whatever state I'm in, even if it's in Oklahoma, to be content. <laughs> to be content. Verse 7, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. No pressure on me there. <laughs> Paul said one of the most amazing statements, I think, in all the things that he said, that was, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me. He was so confident that the message he was preaching and the life he was living would make a clear path for people to follow to take them right to Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. If you follow me, that's where I'm taking you, to him. Isn't that awesome? I can't tell you how many times I have been in a situation. It says remember those. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a situation where I needed the wisdom of God especially as a pastor, where I needed the wisdom of God and didn't know what to say or didn't know how to, how to go forward and, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I just needed strength to continue in this, in this call. That I remembered my dad's words or remembered what he did. As a matter of fact, just last week, I was meeting with a pastor who was needing some, needing some help and needing some assistance and, so, uh, and some counsel in his life. And so we met. And, and we got to a certain part in the conversation where all of a sudden I heard my dad's voice say this phrase. And I'll share this with you later. I can't share it with you tonight. But say this phrase and... Then I said the phrase. I heard him say it, and then I just said what he said. And it worked. And I told my dad about it. I said, Dad, as I'm having this conversation with this man, I heard your voice, and I just did what you do. That's what that means to remember those who, whose faith follow. Remember. I've had many of you come and tell me that you remembered something that I said, and, and you know, it helped you in a situation or didn't help you at all, whatever. But, but that's what we do. That's what we do. We remember those we hold and esteem, those who God has placed over our lives who are teaching us the word because the very next verse says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, that can be a standalone verse. That can be a standalone verse, and people use it as just a standalone truth. But in context of this, of this passage of Scripture, it's really talking about God's terms, God's ways of doing uh, work in the earth and the way he accomplishes things in the earth is through authority. And Jesus isn't going to change his mind about that. He's not going to change his mind. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. You know why? Because when he came, he came under authority. He didn't come and just do whatever he wanted to. He said, I do not come on my own authority. I don't even speak on my own authority. Whatever the Father tells me, that's what I say. 
And he said, when he, the spirit of truth has come, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he won't come on his own authority. He will take from me and give it to you. So even in God, even though Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is God, and yet there is an authority, uh, there is a, 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 a process of authority in the Godhead in which the word leaves the Godhead. It comes from the Father, it comes from the Father to the Son, from the Son to the Spirit, from the Spirit to you. And that's important. That, that's extremely important for us to understand that tonight because the scripture says in the mouths of two or three witnesses, the word, every word, every matter is settled or established. Think about it. So when the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come into agreement on the word, then when it leaves the Godhead, hallelujah, it's an established, finished, accomplished word. That's why you can trust him above everything else. Above all else. Remember those who, or Jesus Christ, I should say, is the same. He's not changing his way of operation in the earth. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Again, this is teaching us, don't get off course. Stay under authority. Keep remembering uh, those who teach you the word. Stay in the atmosphere of that, of learning, of being submitted, because there's an enemy out there who's not submitted. And you see what he did with his life. All right? And he's trying to take others down his path. And, and he'll do that by, t by bringing in various and strange doctrines. Remember what Paul talked about in Galatians when he's defending the gospel? He says, if we, if I, or an angel from heaven come back and teach you anything other than what I've taught you, let him go to hell. Let him be accursed or anathema. It means to be cut off forever. And then he says, as I've said before, so I say again, if we preach any other gospel or if anyone preaches any other gospel than what we've already preached to you, let him be accursed. It's important that we do not be carried about with various strange doctrines. Just last night, I was talking to a lady in the grocery store that used to work at this coffee shop at Market Street. I won't say her name. Anyway, just sweetheart of a lady. And, and she always ministered to me, just always bubbly and full of life and, and, uh, and just always encouraged me in the things of the spirit. Spirit-filled woman, really in tune with God. So last night, I haven't seen her in like two years. And she comes up to me and she's, she's Pastor Eric. And she's got all of this garb on. And she starts talking, referring to Jesus as Yeshua. And she starts talking about the end times and how that Obama is some character in the Bible and, and, and the end is near and, and all this whole war is going to break out. And, and I'm looking at her going, what the heck happened to you? And she's just eaten up with all of this. We got to keep the Torah. We got to keep the feast. I'm going, no, I don't. I'm just looking at her, pitying her, really, thinking she got carried away with strange doctrines. It can happen to the best. It can happen to the best. My own grandmother. And this is, listen to me. I love the word of God and I love good theology. I woke up the other morning. Uh, you know that twilight stage that you're in? When you're dreaming, but you, you're aware in the dream? Just before you wake up, I was in that and I heard my grandmother's voice. She said, Eric, 
It was so powerful. In the last days, men will not endure sound doctrine. You must endure sound doctrine. Just like that. And I woke up and I'm like, whoo, that was strong. Why is God telling me that? To remind me how extremely important it is and how easy it is to get off. I don't think he was telling me I was off. I hope not. But just that admonition, stay in this thing, endure this thing. Because more and more as time goes by and people fall away and all kinds of things happen. If you don't stay in the word, you don't stay grounded. If you don't stay under authority, you don't stay grounded. We have an altar, listen to this. Oh, verse nine, oh, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. It is good that the heart be established by grace. Grace will ground you and establish you more than anything else. Romans 6, 14. Would you look that up and make sure I'm right? I think it's 6, 14, or either 6, 12 or 6, 14. I think it's 6, 14. It says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Grace, that's it. What is it? Romans 6, 14. Romans 6, 14. You are not under law, under grace. Grace is what grounds you. Do you remember we were talking, um, is that Sunday? Yeah, the law of faith. Uh, uh, Romans chapter five, it says that, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. All right? Grace causes you to stand. Hallelujah. We stand in grace. We walk by faith. We stand in grace. Why don't you say that with me? I walk by faith. I stand in grace. Amen. Grace is your place and faith is your pace. Walk by faith. Stand in grace. Establish by grace. Not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. And what he's talking about here are, are um, Jewish practices. All right? Staying on certain diets and all that kind of stuff. We have an altar, and again, he's really talking specifically about the Jews here. And, and, I'll, and of course, this whole book is to them. Uh, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Now, what he's talking about are those, those priests who are continually doing these sacrifices, even after Jesus is raised from the dead. Remember we talked about that and he's trying to admonish them. Th those sacrifices are null and void now. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God has died. The once for all sacrifice. Why do you keep going there sacrificing? That's not doing you any good. As a matter of fact, that's sin. All right, and he's saying these guys don't have a right to the altar that we, are, we have now come to because there's only one way into it and that's through Jesus Christ. And then look at this, verse 12, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Suffered outside the gate. Now, there's a lot of meaning to that, but the, the biggest meaning to Jesus suffering outside the gate and not in the temple was so that he could die for all mankind. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for all of us outside of that temple, outside of that religious place, out there on a hill called Golgotha. 
Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. What he's saying is you need to abandon those animal sacrifices and go to where Jesus is. Go where he is. Now, what that's going to do is get ready to suffer, get ready to bear his reproach, because all of your brothers and sisters are going to revile you over this. For you to say, no, I no longer adhere to that. I no longer believe in those sacrifices. I have cling, I'm clinging to the once for all sacrifice. Hallelujah. For verse 14, for we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Amen. Therefore by him, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So what he's saying is those animal sacrifices are nothing now. Now what God requires is a mouth and a heart full of thanksgiving and praise. That's what he wants. That's what's beautiful to him. That's what smells good to him. Hallelujah. That's what he, that pleases him that we offer up thanksgiving and praise to his name. Come on, just right now, why don't you just offer up some thanks to God? Let's, let's offer him a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you that your blood has taken away all of our sins. We praise your holy and precious name tonight. Thank you that every good thing in our life comes from you. Thank you that you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you that you favor us, God. You chose us. You called us. You blessed us. You have forgiven us of all of our sins. Thank you that you've brought us near by this precious blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Not only the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, but doing good and sharing with others. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Americans love that verse. <laughs> Obey those who rule. Nobody rules over me. I'm an American, dadgummit. <laughs> Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You know what I've learned? Obe obedience and submission are, are not predicated upon me agreeing with my authority. I'll submit if I agree with you. Heather and I were counseling on a young lady a few years ago who, bless her heart, we were trying to help her in her marriage and she did not like anything we had to say. So she went to somebody else. And we got a call from them and said, hey, so-and-so met with me and this is what I told her. And we said, well, that's about what we said. And she said, well, she didn't like it. You know, she didn't like us either. She, and so she just kept going from person to person to person, trying to find somebody that would see it her way. Didn't want to hear the truth, didn't want to submit to the truth. Let me just say this. I am where I am today because a long time ago, I chose to submit to my authority. Something that my dad taught me, and I watched his life, how it continued to prosper and be blessed because he stayed under authority. And he would tell me, son... Whatever you do, if you'll stand under authority, you'll, you'll, you'll do well. You will do well. And it has blessed me with some great experiences in life and has yielded much fruit. 
and peace in my life. Now, many, many times, Heather can attest to this, I did not agree. Many times. I did not agree, especially with my dad. Sometimes I was just seeing him as dad and not as my pastor and overseer. And I didn't like what he asked me to do. I didn't want to do what he asked me to do. Sometimes he still does that to me. I went to visit him in class one day when he was teaching, and I wasn't was involved with Christ for the Nations at the time. And I'm sitting in his preaching class and listening to him teach. He says, Eric, stand up. Preach faith to these people. I was like, go ahead. Oh, man. Well, you know what I found? I was angry and scared immediately. But the moment I stood up, I had something to say. And I was thinking, where'd that come from? Being under authority. Because whenever someone that is speaking into your life tells you to do something, something about it that you get empowered for the task. Whatever it is, all of a sudden, there's a grace there to do it. When you don't think you can do it, you find out that you can It's not my responsibility to figure out if, they, if, you know, he heard God. It's not my responsibility to tell him that he's wrong in this. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about if he's telling me to sin or, you know, your authority's telling you to do something immoral. I'm just talking about just in the general course of life, just in general leading and guiding. And, um, it, that's not my responsibility. That's God's responsibility to speak to my authority. And he does, and he will. And when I think about it, when I look back and I think, I was just, just this afternoon I was pondering this, all the things that I thought my dad was crazy for having me do. I look, about, look out over all those experiences, I don't regret one of them. And I realized that it was building a life for me. I'm not here because I'm spectacular. I'm here because I'm following people who are spectacular to me and listening to them. And as a result, extremely blessed. Amen. Verse 18, pray for us. That's my prayer to you. Pray for us. Remember the Michael W. Smith song? Pray for me. He always had that kind of whiny voice. Pray for me and I'll pray for you. All right, anyway, pray for us for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Can I tell you a funny story about Michael W. Smith and I'll close with it. Well, no, I, let me finish this and I'll tell you the story. <laughs> to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep. Don't you love that? That great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. How long is this covenant? everlasting make you complete how is he going to make you complete through the blood of the everlasting covenant that's how you're going to be made complete through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you complete watch what else in every good work to do his will 
working in you. What's working in you? The blood of the everlasting covenant. What is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. Really? 13 chapters is a few words, huh? That's what, this might be Paul writing this, now that I think about it. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see, uh, whom shall, uh, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints, those from Italy greet you. <laughs> Your Italian friends greet you tonight. Grace be with you all. Amen. Malcolm W. Smith was playing a special music in a, remember back in the day when we had special music in church? Special music. Most of it was very special music. It's like people's opportunity to audition. Like, no, you're supposed to be able to sing before you get up here. Don't let us find out if you can or not. Because I can remember most of the time, I mean, come on, some of you are going to go right here with me. You're going to remember this, right? Somebody gets up there and they start getting choked up, right? They start singing. <laughs> and then you hear somebody inevitably say, bless her, Jesus. Help her, Lord. Anybody else been to that church service? Many of those church services. Or they forget the lyrics. Right? Back it up. Can we back it up, please? I miss my cue. Or, or they take the cassette sleeve with them up there. I'm like, you don't know the song? We don't want to watch you practice. Anyway, <laughs> oh yeah, great times. So he, Michael M. Smith was at this little Baptist church and he was going to do a special music, all right? So the pastor gave him instructions. Okay, today we're having a lot of baptisms. So what you're going to do is just come sit at the piano and then when I finish, I'll give you the cue and then you can go right into your song. And Michael said, okay, he's young. I mean, just young, young at all of this. And so he, sit, he gets at this piano, he's waiting, all right? And so he's looking on to the baptistry up here. He's like waiting for his cue. So the man is gonna baptize a wife and a husband. That's all that's there. And the man is about this big around and the wife is about this big around, all right? So the wife gets, the, the wife gets in the tub in the, in the baptistry and the husband, bless their hearts, they just didn't have much or they just got saved, right? So he comes to church without any clothes to get baptized in. He just has his church clothes. So the pastor reassures him that nobody can see back there. So the husband is standing at the top of the stairs of the baptistry behind a curtain, stark naked. The wife, the wife is getting baptized, right? So the pastor said, I baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. He goes to baptize her, and then he can't pick her up. So as he's trying to get her up, she's trying to help him. So she starts waving her arms, trying to get some momentum, and she grabs hold of that curtain and pulls it down. And there her husband is standing there stark naked, and the pastor goes, play, Michael, play. <laughs> That's his experience playing special music. 
It's one of those church services you wish you had been at, right? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. That's why you got to keep coming to church, because anything's possible. Anything's possible. Hopefully not that possible here, ever. But uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Amen. That'll break you in real good. Why don't we stand and pray tonight? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.